Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. What is going on, people? Welcome back to the B Belly Up Fantasy Football Live Football Edition. Man, oh man, we got a short crew today. It's just me, your host, Dan Mater, like every other week. And, of course, with Adam, like every other week. But we're missing Dahauer. We're missing Chad. But we're going to have a great show for you guys today. Anyway, we're talking about the top eight quarterbacks, dynasty rookie quarterbacks, that is, and our top ten rookie dynasty running backs. This show, and then our next show in two weeks that we'll do, That'll be the top 10 wide receivers and probably the top eight tight ends for that one. That'll pretty much cap off our rookie analysis. And then we're going to start to transition. We're going to start to transition because it's going to be June. And if it's June, that means we have OTAs and we have minicamp and we have training camp. And the summer is going to be right there. And we're going to transitioning into 2021 and getting ready for best ball drafts out there for redraft leagues of all kinds. All sorts of stuff coming up. A lot to talk about. I'm just glad this year. It's not 2020 where we had actually football news, Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, football never sleeps except for that one time uh, last year. <laughs> that was it. And that, we even have you know some things we're going to talk about today uh, before we get into our rankings, You know, just current news-wise and everything else. But before we do that, I got to give a big shout-out to our sponsor today. <laughs> it's Manscaped, baby. And they wanted you to know that this public service announcement is the news that you have all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the U.S. and in Canada. This new trimmer was just released just moments ago, and we are the first ones to get our hands on it and share the great news. So join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Get 20% off and free international shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I am blown away by the performance, the craftsmanship, and the details on the 4.0 are the next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as 
as possible. So use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free international shipping at manscaped.com. We absolutely love having Manscaped be one of our sponsors of today's show. So first off, Adam, there's been a lot of things circling around the news. Let's, let's go with the first thing that came out today, actually. Really just a couple hours ago. Jeff Wilson, torn meniscus, had surgery, out for the next four to six months. That means he pretty much has a timeline of somewhere between September and November. Normally, when you have that kind of a timeline, there's a decent chance you could wind up on the pup list. So instant reaction, we're actually going to talk about Trey Sermon a little bit in this show anyway, but instant reaction to what this does for Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, maybe maybe Elijah Mitchell, uh, anybody else in the staff that I'm forgetting because the 49ers always have 10 running backs. But go ahead, your first reaction to Jeff Wilson. Shout out to the people who, in my opinion, have been uh, slightly overdrafting Trey Sermon because you lucked out. <laughs> you might actually have some uh, some early value. You know, he's someone who I, I do like the fit for him a lot, actually, uh, long term. But it's, you know, it's going to be, I thought, you know, with uh, Jeff Wilson in in the uh, running back room, that it was going to be tough going for him to be productive, you know, as a rookie. And I, I think he could slide in nicely to, uh, you know, be the one-two punch with Raheem Mostert uh, now, and, you know, that could lead to some production. Here, here's what I will say. I do think we did a good job of making it clear in the show that we understand, that especially based off of last year and previous years with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, they had the injury history. We knew that there was yeah. a chance Trey Sermon could see the field in 2021 because of that. However, I don't think either one of us thought it would be, what, not even June when we find out that Jeff Wilson Jr. may miss you know, the first month or more of the season, quite possibly. He didn't even hear about this torn meniscus surgery until just now. And apparently this happened uh, recent or, or a few weeks ago, anyway, the surgery itself. So that was all really shocking to hear. And yet this reminds me, it's not quite on the same level, but this reminds me a lot of last year, the people who I felt like overdrafted Jonathan Taylor in redraft leagues because they're taking him in the third round, even though it was like, oh, but Marlon Mack is going to be the starter, and Naeem Hines is going to get his run, and then Marlon Mack goes down on like the first quarter of week one, and all of a sudden, okay, well, now you got the value that you drafted him for. Same thing's kind of happening now with the Trey Sermon, because now automatically, he's my number two, at least for the start of the season, and because Jeff Wilson's going to miss as much time as he is, and because I don't think there's actually a big difference between a Trey Sermon and a Jeff Wilson, I don't know if Jeff Wilson really gets that position back, especially since Kyle Shanahan traded up and banged the table to get Trey Sermon in the first place. So I think what all stands his way is Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Well, and what could be really the biggest winner of this is not even um, not even Sermon, but really Mitchell, because now Mitchell yeah. is the one that's one injury away from having real, like, actual value that exists. Because as the RB4, if that, uh, you know, with some of their other guys, uh, it was really questionable whether or not he would be, like, see the field ever. Not even, you know, be productive for fantasy, but see the field ever, like, be worth anything more than a taxi squad spot. But now it, he's a Raheem Mostert injury away or, you know, maybe a Sermon one. But we don't really have the same injury history with him. But, you know, an injury to one or two guys away from actually being productive. I mean, he was already a guy that had a name that should have been on your radar to begin yeah. with. Because for a six-round pick, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who say he's almost, if not just as talented as a Trey Sermon to begin mm -hmm. with, especially fitting that system. So, yeah, I and mean, that whole room gets a little more interesting. And for Jeff Wilson, people out there who have in your dynasty leagues, I don't know. It's it's a little dicey because when you have a guy like that who doesn't really command any kind of loyalty, let's say, 
And you have, you know, a couple of rookies coming in who have some hype with them, especially in Trey Sermon's case, because he has a third round capital to go with it. I don't know if it's a guarantee you get your spot back. But it's the 49ers backfield. If anything's been proven to this point is that they tend to get injured. Uh, other current news, just to kind of keep up with it, of course, Julio Jones. Now, uh, Chris and I do a show on Fridays, the MD's Fantasy Football Show from 11 a.m. to 12, 3 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We talked about Julio Jones a little bit on that show. And we mentioned that, you know, along with what our analysis would be, we felt like at that point in time, it would be stupid. And ultimately, we felt as though Julio would stay on Atlanta because it doesn't make any sense that you would draft Kyle Pitts with the idea that you would be trading away Julio Jones because we feel like if you trade away Julio Jones, then really you're more in a position to actually just start rebuilding altogether. Now, it's kind of hard to ignore all that's come out over the past couple of days where it has to feel more like Julio Jones is going to leave Atlanta. But I want to get your reaction on this entire situation. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, come draft time, couple, you know, a week or two ago, did not think that Julio was leaving, uh, just because with the Matt Ryan uh, extension or not extension, but restructure to where he's pretty much locked in for the next uh, what is it, two years, um, and then you know with getting Kyle Pitts over one of the quarterbacks, you know, it seemed to me like this is a like let's regroup, and I, I am someone that really believes in Arthur Smith as the head coach, so I think that he can get the best out of all these weapons. So overall, I thought this was like, all right, like I want to see this offense go. Like I'm excited for this. Um, And, you know, honestly, like on that note, I am kind of bummed to see Julio want out because I think this offense could be really fun to watch as a football fan. But uh, on the flip side of that, um, you know, I think this will impact fantasy, but I think that there's a lot of people that are already jumping to the conclusion, like, Oh yeah, Kyle Pitts is definitely tight end three now, and I don't know if if that like he might. I'm not gonna rule it out. He's a freak athlete. He's you know a mismatch nightmare, but I don't want to jump to that conclusion as of right to, like today. No, I'm look. I'll give you my analysis. I this didn't move the meter for me at all on Kyle Pitts as far as 2021 goes. Not not in the least. His value to me was already tied to the touchdown potential. That hasn't changed with Julio gone. In fact, I Julio wasn't really a factor in my mind when it came to what potential Kyle Pitts has for the red zone touches. Because as we all know, for some unfathomable reason, Julio Jones doesn't score that many touchdowns to begin with. And do, yes, do targets open up? Certainly they do. But the idea is here, and it's very key to, to, to make note of this, and I haven't really heard anybody make note of this. Part of the deal that they want for Julio is a receiver in return with a draft pick. Now, whether that winds up being a first round or a second round draft pick, that remains to be seen. It's a big reason why I don't believe it's going to be New England Patriots, by the way. But when the rumors come up about the 49ers or uh, I've heard Tennessee, some other guys like that, it's they want a young receiver in return. They want something else in return. They need somebody to pair up with Calvin Ridley on the outside because Russell Gage, we saw last year, without Julio, he don't get open because he doesn't get open against the second-best corner. He needs the third-best corner in the, lead, in the on the other team on him in order for him to get open. So I don't think this changes drastically. Not in Kyle Pitts' rookie year. People have to, have to, have to. Look, I know he's a generational talent. I get it. But athletically, how much different is he from a Vernon Davis? Vernon Davis was a six pick overall. How long did it take Vernon Davis to become fantasy relevant? How long did it take TJ Hawkinson? TJ Hawkinson just now is getting pumped up to be a top end tight end because of his situation. 
but he hasn't really gone off either. He's gotten touchdowns. He's been good. He hasn't been great. These are tight ends who are very athletic, who are drafted very high. It still took a couple of years. I love Kyle Pitts. I'm not knocking his talent. I think he could be top five in 2022. Maybe he could be top five this year. The point is, don't draft him as if he's definitely going to be because you're running the high risk of getting burned when you go through that scenario. But Adam, what if you could choose anywhere for Julio to go, where would you want him to go for fantasy football purposes? For fantasy purposes? I mean, uh, it just depends on so many things. I think uh, off the top of my head, if Mac Jones is the starter week one in New England, then I would want it to be New England. But I don't think that's how that will work out, even though I think that it should work out that way. Um, Similarly, I don't like Tennessee. I thought it was funny Julio says he wants to play with Cam. I'm like... First of all, it's definitely not a given Cam's definitely a starter. And even if you do, uh, Cam's shoulder's done, buddy. I, he, he was knocking Matt Ryan for thinking Matt Ryan can't hit the deep ball the way he used to anymore. Uh, have you watched your buddy Cam at all the past couple of seasons? What makes you think he can hit the ball down there? Yeah, um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I almost I, Really, for fantasy purposes, I almost think anywhere he realistically goes right now is a step down, um, to be honest, because... The one place it's not. The one place it's not is if he goes to Green Bay. Because if he goes to Green Bay, I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers will suit up at quarterback Mm -hmm. because he will not pass on the chance of having Devontae Adams and Julio Jones to throw to. Because that would be a Super Bowl contending team. Yes. That's the one place that I look at where I do not believe it would be a step down for Julio or or anything in that situation. Other than that, I'm with you. It probably mm-hmm. would be a step. The only other place that maybe it's not is if San Francisco was to give up a brand Ayuk and a second round pick and he were to go to San Francisco and go there as a number one. It's the only other one I've heard. Uh, Tennessee's a nice fit from an NFL standpoint yeah. would be a knockdown from fantasy standpoint. So I think Green Bay is the only place that Julio could go and I don't think it would hurt fantasy value in any kind of way. Now, to be clear, Wherever Julio goes, if he's on the field, he's still a wide receiver one. And that doesn't yes. matter the location. It's just a matter of, is he, you know, a Julio who plays 15 games, let's say, is he 1,500 yards with six, seven touchdowns and over 100 receptions good? Or is he more like the 1,200-yard area with 90 receptions? That's kind of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And you know who I really think, uh, especially if they don't end up getting a receiver back, which I'm, you never know like how that will work out on who that would possibly be. So it's not really worth, uh, you know, going into that, but if they don't get a receiver back, I think Mike Davis will be by far the biggest beneficiary of. Yeah. Of 100%. yeah. 100%. Cause it, because it's not Russell Gage will not do any more than he did last year. Like that's just not yeah. going to happen. You might be able to squeak out like 5% more production out of, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, like maybe, but maybe. And, Kyle Pitts might bring 15, 20 more targets than he would have otherwise. Maybe like if yeah. you're being incredibly optimistic on right. both of those, but no, I, Mike I Davis we, could see a significant increase. Yeah. I think what you'll see instantly is that Atlanta without a doubt, I think they're going to run into a lot of two tight end set regardless, but without a doubt might become a two tight end set dominant offense. I mean, it might just be their base offensive formation, in which case mm-hmm. I'm with you. Mike Davis would benefit greatly from that scenario w- w- without a doubt w- mm-hmm. w- without a doubt 
Um, so we'll see what happens over here in the next couple of weeks. Like I said, as of now, with the way Julio's talked about it, with the way the news is trending, it's definitely more in favor of Julio moving on. It just remains to be seen. Because, I mean, as of right now, Atlanta's still asking for a first-round pick. I don't know if they're going to get that. We'll, we'll have to see exactly what happens there. And it might, it might take a little bit longer. The only other piece of news that I'll just kind of mention is Antonio Brown does pass his physical. That was expected. He signs with the Bucks. Uh, go ahead, Adam. I mean, t- tell me, what is we, Evans, Brown, Chris Godwin? Let's imagine a scenario where all three of them are actually healthy on the field because that didn't happen very often last year. What, what, how do you think that Tampa Bay wide receiver group breaks down? Um, I, I think we could see the, uh, the biggest challenge to Mike Evans' 1,000-yard uh, streak. Uh, I, I still like him to get it, of course, just because they're throwing so much. But they've just got there's so many weapons. I I don't know though. I, Tom Brady really loves throwing to Antonio Brown. I think he really could be a, a PPR machine. I don't know if I'd like him in standard, but in PPR, I think I'm still with him. Or even a half point PPR. Like I think he'll rack up a lot of receptions, but I think it'll be a lot of like the the receptions that in New England were going to Edelman and James White. Yeah, even though it was a small sample size, I think we kind of saw how it would break down even mm-hmm. going into this year where Tom Brady is going to give Mike Evans his opportunities in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown was the number one target on that team, even when everybody was on the field, especially for the last half of the season. Once yeah. he started, he was number one targeted receiver for Tampa Bay. And Chris Godwin, unfortunately, seems to be the guy who gets, gets to be the odd man out. He'll still have his games, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be consistent. It's kind of it kind of reminds me a lot of the Michael Gallup situation where Michael Gallup kind of wound up being the odd man out. It feels like Chris Godwin could wind up being the odd man out when that happens. And you're maybe talking about him as a at best wide receiver three, maybe even more wide receiver four, given the consistency. So that's the thing we're gonna have to watch out the most is what Antonio Brown does to Chris Godwin. But all things we'll get into, and of course, we'll talk about Tampa Bay and the running backfield and how that's a mess uh, at some other point down the road, because that's going to be fun to get into as well. Let's jump into what this show is based off of, which we'll start off with the quarterbacks, our top eight dynasty rookie quarterbacks. Now, we don't have the other two chuckleheads with us, but it is me and Adam, and our rankings are pretty much the same until we get to number six, but let's talk about these rookies a little bit. Now, we have we've done this, but... You know, like I said, we're this is our capping our off. And let's talk about why we both have Justin Fields ahead of Mac Jones and ahead of Trey Lance. So go, go ahead, Adam. Kick it off with that. Well, for me, uh, it's I'd like uh, I liked him more as a prospect in general. I know uh, you didn't. You and uh, Chris were both more on the Mac Jones side. However, uh, I think we are both on the same page that in terms of fantasy value, um, he's much more likely to get on the field first. Um, and two, he's got that added rushing threat, uh, which, you know, we covet in the fantasy world. And honestly, I think will be something that gets used a lot, at least early on, um, because Najee doesn't really like to throw to Allen Robinson as much as he should. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we might end up seeing fields running a lot early on here. Yeah, and I think there's a really good chance he starts week one. I ran a poll mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, um, and a lot of, 58% of the people out there felt like he would start week one. I know the Bears keep saying Andy Dalton. They have to. They have to keep saying Andy Dalton. He's still the veteran. Justin Fields has to go into training camp. He has to earn it. You're not going to just hand it over to a rookie, especially when he just paid. I mean, they cut 
what they could they cut their top corner just so they could pay Andy Dalton. They have to justify that in some capacity by at least making it a quarterback competition. I still believe if it's not week one, it'd be week two. That, yeah. and, that, and that's why I think it's so ridiculous. That's why I think it has to be Justin Fields week one. But even if he wasn't bona fide the week one starter, he's in a perfect situation where he has a top receiver. He has a decent running back. He's in a situation where he's going to do what he does best. Hit my first read or take off and run. And because he can do that, because he can do the Jalen Hurts thing, we saw how effective that was, and I think he's much better than Jalen Hurts, so I'm not, I'm not saying he's, he's much better than Jalen Hurts. That's where he overtakes a guy like a Mac Jones for me, especially in Dynasty, and Trey Lance, which you know is a different scenario we'll get into in a little bit, but he's going to be the guy who can come in. He's going to have six to 800 yards of rushing potential, not just this year, but every year he pretty much plays. He's going to have, you know, 4,500 yard potential for passing yards, 25 plus touchdowns, you know, passing wise, six to eight rushing touch. You add all those numbers up. You're talking about top 10 quarterback every single year. That's what Justin Fields is. And he's in a situation where he has to do it. He's not going to be asked to spread the ball out. He's going to be asked to hit his read and run. And that's why from a fantasy standpoint, this is the perfect scenario for Justin Fields. The other thing I think we should comment on, because I keep hearing this a lot, is that everybody wants to pick Zach Wilson to be the big bust of the top five. We both have him at number two. So, Adam, you tell me why he's your number two. I don't – a lot of people dropped him once he got drafted, right? Because, like, going in, he almost – like, I wouldn't say he was locked in as the consensus too, right? But he was, like, pretty close. Well, everyone knew he was going to go to the Jets, and I think it had more to do with that than anything else. Yeah, but people like I felt like I was seeing a lot of like, yeah, he's the number two prospect, number two prospect, number two prospect. And then everyone after the draft fell off of him. Like we didn't know he was going to the draft to the Jets. Honestly, I like him more because of that pick. Like I, when I was grading him solely as a prospect, I had him below fields. And when I have the guarantee that he is in, in New York because the draft night can be crazy. You know, I assumed he would be go- going to the Jets, but you never know. Uh, Got to cover your bases. I love him there. Like, they've got four receivers that I like right now. Um, they've got, you know, the tight end rooms of, you know, ignore that. But uh, I think this is going to be a really exciting offense. They're building the offensive line really well with Vera Tucker and Mekhi Becton. And the defense still sucks. So for at least the first year or two of his career, he's going to be playing in a lot of shootouts with time to throw. And, you know, uh, depending on what happens uh, – at the receiver position, three or four really good receivers to throw to. Like, I, I think this is a really good situation for him to be in. I think he's going to put up a lot of points really early. And, yeah, I don't I don't see the issue. And he, I was yeah, gonna I mean, say, go ahead, finish your thought. Yeah, I was going to say, even the issues I had with him as a prospect, I think the Jets fit him well on. Like, I had an issue where I'm like, I think he throws the ball uh, up and just trusts his receivers a little too much sometimes. You do that with Denzel Mims, I think you're going to be successful, honestly. Like, I I think that's what that pairing can do well on the top end. You, you've hit on all the, all, all the right points. The, the point is this. This is not the Jets when they took Sam Darnold. This is a new regime that took weapons, pieces, to make life easier on Zach Wilson. They take offensive linemen. They have they signed Corey Davis. They have Denzel Mims up and coming. They draft Elijah Moore 
James Crowder is still technically on the roster as of now. We keep waiting to see if that's going to stay the case or not. But even if it doesn't, you have weapons. You take Michael Carter. You upgrade your running back room. They put things in place. What's more over is that all of these pieces fit perfectly with the new system that they're running with Mike LaFleur, mm-hmm. who I don't care that he hasn't called a play in his life is already, I'm sorry, better than Adam Gase. So you have the improvement there as well. That's the part that gets me. Zach Wilson also fits this type of system really well because it's a system that is built off of bootleg play action, taking your deep shot off of that, keeping pressure off the quarterback, keeping the reads simple for the quarterback. The biggest knocks I heard on Zach Wilson, which was the competition, which I think is a joke. and I don't think that's a big deal. But then also uh, making post-snap reads. Well, this system's designed to pretty much lay out exactly where the ball's supposed to go pre-snap. That's how this system is built off of. It attacks all levels of the field. And when you have weapons to attack all levels of the field, which you do in Corey Davis and Denzel Mims and you know Elijah Moore or and or James Crowder, then it becomes very, very effective, especially when you're able to run the football. Michael Carter is going to be the key to this offense. He's absolutely 100% going to be the key. We're going to talk about him in a little bit uh, in the next segment. But Zach Wilson has all the tools. He has a great arm. He has the mobility. And they want everybody wants to love Justin Fields, and they want to love Trey Lance. Zach Wilson's arm is better than both of those guys. And he has, maybe he's not quite the 4-5 speed of a Justin Fields, but he's just as fast, if not faster, than Trey Lance, and he's just as mobile and he utilizes his legs as a weapon just as much. So I don't get why everybody wants to jump on Zach Wilson being the bust because he didn't play against competition, where we have Trey Lance, who both of us have at number five, played against even less competition. So it doesn't make any sense. But he is going to be great because he's on the 49ers. Well, they're running the same system. I don't care that it's not Kyle Shanahan. It's still the same system at the end of the day. I'd rather take the guy who actually has the live-action arm, which is Zach Wilson over Trey Lance. I'd rather take the guy who actually is willing to throw the deep ball, actually top 10 deep ball at that in all of college football last year, while Trey Lance is sitting there with a 9.7 yards per attempt average. I, that's why I'd rather have. That's why I'd rather go with. That's why I have Mac Jones ahead of Trey Lance. Is that the re- and t- talk about that of you, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, you have them back. You have them the same rankings that I do. Yeah, well, I think that uh, Mac Jones is the better quarterback. At the end of the day, I'm not. I'm not hedging my bets on Trey Lance playing this year. So uh, first of all, yeah. like in terms of redraft, like we can get over that. I'm not touching him. You could not pay me to draft him with my last pick. Um, Dynasty. I don't really even want to touch him until the second round because I think he. He, it's like a situation where in one like, quarterback leagues. I'll, I'll make sure that's clear for you. No, like on like in superflex. Oh, even like, in superflex. Oh, that's that surprising for me. No, in superflex, I would rather get someone like a Rashad Bateman or a uh, you know, like one of the good receivers. I would rather do that. Let someone else take that risk because I don't think he's going to start this year. I the risk next year is up in the air. And then after that, I don't even know if he'll actually be good. And this is all assuming Kyle Shanahan is still the coach in three years. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. As a 49er fan, I'm right there with you. No one wants to talk about that. But, hey, you know what? He's got a below 500 record. That doesn't usually hold up too well in the NFL unless you can turn things around in a big way. Maybe they can. Maybe they can. Yeah. But I'm just not going to be the one that takes that risk. Like, I, I understand that, like, you know, if he pops off, I'll be the one that lost out on that value. That's fine. Someone else can take that risk. I'm not going to do it. Not in the first round. I'll take it in the you know at two oh one, but I'm not doing it in the first round. Yeah, I'm with you. And just to speak to Mac Jones, I think talk about quarterbacks who wind up in the perfect fit. Who fits Josh McDaniel's system better than a Mac Jones with the skill set that he has? No, uh, it, that was a fantastic fit. The fact that Mac Jones fell to him was 
blows me away. So let's talk about where we're finally different. We do finally have some differences at number six. I have Kyle Trask. You have Davis Mills. So, Adam, I'm going to need you to do this. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) State your case. Yeah, I I know this segment's supposed to be this big argument, but in reality, I I think we're (laughs) probably on the same page here. It's just kind of valuing uh, our, our dart throws a little differently. Give me the guy that has a one in a million chance of being a competent starter of the guy that, like, regardless, I think we're both on the same page will be a career backup. So you're just kind of banking on someone getting hurt for him to play. So, like, I, I just, you know, I think Mills at least has the kind of arm talent to potentially maybe one day, if he doesn't get hurt a million times, be okay. So why not? I'd rather take that dart throw than the one where I'm like, yeah, this guy will be a backup and that's that. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, this isn't a big, yeah, can't be a big argument. We're talking about <laughs> these level of quarterbacks, but here's what I will say Kyle Trask, I do think, while I have him as a pro, I had him pro rated going into the draft process as a guy that I thought could be a career long but very good backup. Where if you went to him, yeah. I think you could depend on him to win a few games. I don't feel that way about Davis Mills whatsoever. I think he's Matt Barkley, which was a head scratcher. So why are you in the league? You don't do anything well. And on mm-hmm. top of it, Davis Mills went to Houston Texans, which as an organization is going to complete wreck. At least with Tampa Bay, this is what I could see for Kyle Trask in Tampa Bay. I could see a scenario where Brady plays this year and next year. Him and Bruce Arians both retire and go off into the sunset. Byron Leftwich takes over. The Bucks are the Bucks, so we'll still have weapons in place. And then Kyle Trask takes over. I see a more solid ground for Kyle Trask because he'll have weapons. He'll have Byron Leftwich. There's a, I think there's just more of a possibility for him to have, be in a decent situation with Davis Mills. I don't know if I actually see a pathway where he's on the field for more than a game or two. And this whole thing down in Houston is a complete, complete fiasco that I don't want to touch, whether it be now or even in the future until I actually know who the coach is going to be in 2022. And it could be David Cully. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how much I want to touch any pieces of this team. Until I know who the real GM is. I don't. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's the whole, that's the whole key too. So because it's such a mess, I'm going to take Kyle Trask. He does. He has some qualities that reminds me of a Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not afraid to throw the ball down the field, even though he doesn't have the strongest arm. He's a little bit more accurate, and he has a good. He already has a good mind for the game. He already understands the playbook very, very well. This is a very smart guy that we're talking about. So he has some elements of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and so I'll take that over the guy that I think will be no more in the clipboard. Uh, we both had Kellen Mond as our QB seven. This would have been good with Chris because Chris had Kellamon at his six for him to talk about. We kind of got into a discussion a little bit about on Friday where he just feels like Kellamon's going to be given an opportunity at some point to replace Kirk Cousins. I think he's nuts for thinking that, but you know, he's he's in that position. They did spend the draft capital on him at the third round where that argument can be made. Something to watch. It, it, one thing became clear. The Minnesota Vikings are definitely planning for life after Kirk Cousins right now. That became clear uh, this past draft process. So just kind of speak to Kellamon in the Minnesota Vikings situation. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> to not I don't want to say take Chris's side because I'm not all the way with him, but uh, to make his point for him, it, it this is potentially the only offensive system that he could find even like any modicum of success in. It's the well, only that part I agree with. It's like if he it like. 
And I had him at that seven because like I overtrasked because like I said, I'd rather have the dart throw of like, he's got a crazy good arm. He's got good mobility. There's a one in a million shot of him being good and otherwise will be out of the league in a year. Like it's not a year, but two or three. He'll be out pretty quick or he'll make something of himself. Leaning towards he'll be out pretty quick, but could go the other way. Never know. Um, But at any rate, this is a good system fit for him. Justin Jefferson is going to be around a long time. Um, he'll be able to catch the tail end of Dalvin Cook if he was to replace Kirk Cousins. Um, he's, you know, one again. It's a one in a million shot. I'd just rather have that than, you know, crying as Kyle Trask is winning a close camp battle over Blaine Gabbert in two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That that whole situation <laughs> just blows my mind. Like playing Gabbard is nothing, guys. Stop, stop reading into things that come out of the coaching staff of the Tampa Bay's mouth. Uh, yeah, that's a whole look. Kellamon, he has a good arm and he has some mobility. He has no fundamentals, no touching right. the ball, no accuracy, and that this is where it comes down to. But that he is a raw prospect. There is some developmental traits about him. I'll give him that because honestly, that's all you're really looking for. Once you get past the top five quarterbacks in this class, it's it's guys that you know really in your heart you're not going to be talking about that much really probably ever again than we are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on into the running backs, I do want to give you guys a quick reminder. This is going to be coming out next Tuesday, June 1st. Signups for the second annual Fantasy Football Charity Bowl for Belly Up. This year, we actually partnered up with Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. Couldn't be happier about it. We did make some changes to how we're going to run things. It's going to be a best ball format. Over 200 teams. It's going to be 17 leagues, $20 entry fee. With that $20 entry fee, you're doing a couple of things. One, the majority of the money is going to be a donation to the Alex Lemonade Stand Foundation for Childhood Cancer. So it's a great cause there. Over $2,000 in donations will be made. We will have a link set up for you to donate if you just want to donate or if you want to you know, put the $20 entry fee and donate something else extra. Of course, they need everything that they can get because they're helping out with childhood cancer. Uh, if you put your $20 entry fee in and you get in, what you're competing for is against those other 204 teams, and it's a big tournament. But that $20 could potentially win you $1,200 if you get first prize, plus a $100 value trophy from Trophy Smack. Second place will win you $400. And if you win your league of the 17 leagues, you will get your $20 entry fee back. So that's kind of how the prizes are breaking down. But again, signups are going to be at bellyupfantasysports.com, and you'll see the Belly Up Bowl tab there. You'll be able to click on that, hit the sign-up sheet, and then we'll send you an email back with our PayPal for you to send the money to. 20 bucks, and you can help out a child in need. And this is the best ball league. So the nice thing about best ball leagues is that once we do the draft, which will be in August, you don't have to worry about it anymore. There's no more commitment to it. So your time will not be needed will not be needed to be committed to during the season as well. So we try to make this nice and easy and convenient and as great as we can for a great cause. So everybody, I please, I beg you to check that out. It's going to be great again. We had a great success last year. We plan on even being more successful uh, again this year. All right, Adam. So let's talk about our top 10 rookie dynasty running backs. We're again, we're pretty similar on, but we're not similar when it comes to the mainstream media. We're not as big on Travis Etienne. We have Javante Williams higher. Najee Harris, I don't think we need to talk about him too much because, A, you can see unanimously, we all have number one across the board. And it simply comes down to, you use a three-down back, who's on the Steelers, who use one back, it's the volume, 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 volume. So let's talk about why you have Javante Williams over Travis Etienne. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Well, I mean, I, I think it just boils down to pro, uh, prospect preference at this point because I think they're both in si- similar situations of week one in Jacksonville. James Robinson will be the lead back over Etienne in a like, 60-40 split, give or take, probably. In Denver, uh, Mark uh, Mark Ingram or Melvin Gordon. Gordon, Melvin Gordon will be the starter in a 60-40 split. Over Javante Williams. I would rather have Javante Williams to overtake uh, Gordon over Etienne over Robinson. Because Gordon and Williams share a very uh, nearly identical skill set. So having them as a one-two punch makes nearly no sense. Whereas James Robinson, while, yeah, Etienne's going to pass him. Don't get me wrong on that. It'll be a 70-30 probably by the year-end split. But Robinson could keep that 30 for a while. Whereas Gordon, Gordon will be gone by next year at the latest. Gordon's out of, like out of there. Williams will be a bell, bell cow back in 2022. Book it right now. Yeah, we're on the same page. That's why I have him number two too, because I'm looking at 2022, especially talking about Dynasty Leagues. I'm looking at 2022 and I see Javante Williams in a Pat Shermer system, which typically when he has the opportunity to do so, will use one back if he feels confident about that one back over the rest of his staff. Mm-hmm. And he will be the bell cow back because he prorates out to a guy who can be a true bell cow. He can take on the carry load and he can do the passing down work. Where Travis Etienne, and even before he went to Jacksonville, I felt this way, which is why I had Javante Williams over him even in the pre-draft process. He's going to be a guy I think is always going to be paired up with somebody. Is it definitely James Robinson? I don't know. May, may not be in 2022. But he's always going to be paired up with somebody. He's always been a guy that struck me as being somebody that you're going to want to utilize more in an Alvin Kamara type of role, which isn't bad. He's going to yeah. be useful for fantasy value-wise. He's going to be half-point, full-point PPR. Travis Etienne's still going to be very, very valuable. But I don't know if he's ever going to be in a situation where this guy is consistently getting 15 or more carries. I think 12 carries might be more of his average and what he does on the passing game on top of that is going to be what really grades him out to be. And I think we, we have a rare situation while this running back class was not overly great. We actually have two guys that I think will be bell cows for the majority of their careers in Najee Harris and Javante Williams, which doesn't happen that often. We haven't had two guys like that come out in a while. So I, I think that's what come for me. It boils down to Travis Etienne, this year will definitely be the pass, you know, targeted running back out of the backfield. There's no doubt about that. 
what the split is as far as carries go between him and James Robinson, I think is up for grabs. I think early on, it actually might favor James Robinson a little bit with Travis Etienne taking it over after that. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, that thing could be a 50-50 split from the gate. We know Melvin Gordon has injury issues in the past. Last year, he looked like he kind of maybe lost half a step. That continues to be the case. Javante Williams might overtake him earlier rather than later. So even 2021, I think, is kind of up for grabs. But even moving past that, I'm just looking at Williams with the chance to be a bell cow where I don't think Travis Etienne will ever have quite that opportunity. Um, oh. And what worries me about Travis Etienne to some degree, it was Urban Meyer you know, continuing to say that he wanted to draft Kadarius Tony with that pick. Thought he was going to draft Kadarius Tony with that pick. I don't want Travis Etienne in the Kadarius Tony role. That's a gadget role. That's not. That's a role where you're gonna. Oh, you're gonna line up a little bit over here, a little bit over here. You get utilized, but that per- player every. Th- and this is what it kills me about the offseason. Everybody thinks that player somehow gets featured in the offense. It doesn't. It's a compliment to the offense. It's not a featured position in the offense. It's 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 a nice thing to be able to do. The guy who comes out and bubble screens and lines up in the slot or can line up in the backfield and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's called a gadget player. Gadget players do not consistently hold up for fantasy football period. Now, I think Travis Etienne being a running back first round will be more than a gadget player, but it doesn't give me comfort when Urban Meyer keeps bringing him up that he wants Travis Etienne to be in the role that he thought he was going to have Kadarius Tony in. It doesn't doesn't comfort me in any kind of way. So that's why I also had Javante Williams ahead of Travis Etienne, which is against the consensus for the most part. I, I don't know if you have a rebuttal to that at all or not. No, not a rebuttal, just one small thing to add. Uh, I don't take this as a knock the Jaguars offense, which I think overall is going to be pretty good. But that Denver offense really is one quarterback away from being like a lights out top of the league offense. Like oh, yeah. one, one of, if not the best offenses, depending on who said quarterback is. And we always talk about how, you know, uh, running backs are very dependent on everyone around them to be uh, fantasy relevant. Say, uh, you know, Julio doesn't go to Green Bay. Aaron does get out. He goes to Denver. That Javante Williams pick is going to be a lot better of one than it is right now. Oh, good guy. I mean, my first five picks might just be Denver Broncos. Give me Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Aaron Rodgers, and yeah, Javante Williams. That, like everyone on that offense is, yeah, like that insane. offense will go insane. It will be incredibly productive across the board. Yeah, one, 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 one 100%. Uh, we both have Michael Carter at number four. I like Michael Carter more for 2021, maybe even more than Javante Williams for 2021, because I think he will be the starter. I think he will get a chance to get more of a workload than anybody would expect. My reason why I have him number four is because he doesn't protract me to be a guy who's going to have a longevity at being a volume monster. So mm-hmm. ultimately, I think he's great for 2021. Maybe 2022, we'll see. But I think by next year, even, he'll be splitting work, at least splitting work, with one other player. Remember, we talked about this being the Mike LaFleur system. It goes off the Shanahan system. They believe in multiple backs to begin with. Uh, it just shapes up this year. He doesn't really have much competition because the talent there is beyond pathetic. But after this, and because of his size, I don't know how much I'm going to trust Michael Carter to have you know the top volume year in and year out, like I would those other three guys. So that's why he becomes number four from the long term. But I, I just want to keep mentioning 2021, he'll be my number two behind Najee Harris as far as rookie running backs go. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's competing with Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson and Perrine, right? That's what we're working with. Yeah, yeah, Perrine, Ty Johnson, and uh, I feel like, uh, Tevin Coleman, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 
So, uh, yeah, let me let me take Michael Carter in the yeah. top of the second round, and I I love where his value kind of lands at because that's uh, for a running back that at least in this year will be pretty good. I mean, say you were like a second round pick to get an older established running back like that would be insane value so why would it be any different for him who should be a high volume guy now and will probably taper off later but who cares for a second round pick that's great now i've let so we talked about trey sermon a little bit with the jeff wilson news would this change the jeff wilson news and the fact that trey sermon might be moving up the depth chart earlier rather than later change your opinion at all with him being number five i also have number five as well no, I think he keeps him at five because at the end of the day, and uh, both in both uh, the Jets and in San Francisco, it will be a two-back offense with the difference being that Michael Carter will be running back one with his 55 to 45 split. And, well, probably higher than that now, but long-term. Whereas Trey Sermon this year will be, Beyond the unless Mostert gets hurt, which you know coin flip, but right now he's on the forty-five, and that was after already having an injury. Get him this far, right. so I I would still ha- rather have Carter, but it makes Sermon a lot closer. Like this is a lot closer than it was. This to me, it was definitely a. There's the top two was a tier, and then Etienne was all by himself, and then Carter was by himself, and then we got into the interesting stuff. I think Sermon does break into that tier with Carter now, but I don't, I, you know, I still give Carter the lead. Yeah. I like, I like that, um, that analysis that you just gave where he kind of, he moves into the same tier as a Michael Carter. Uh, again, I think Trey Sermon may outlast Carter yeah. and that would be one of the things to look at, but it's there always going to be more than one running back in San Francisco. The big thing about Trey Sermon and this is what I think kills him ultimately and why I, would, I wouldn't move him up either, even with this news, is that he's, he's a zero in the passing game. He just is. He's just a zero in the passing game. Comes to pass blocking, pass receiving, doesn't matter. He's a zero when it comes to that. It's not going to be his role. It's not what he's going to do. He's not what's going to be expected of him. Well, Michael Carter can do that. Travis Etienne can do that. Javante Williams can do that. Najee Harris can do that. All the running backs in front of him are guys that are going to get receptions. I don't see Trey Sermon doing that, and that ultimately is why he wants up being number five. Now, he's number five ahead of the other guys, because he's in a great system, and probably I would think by 2022, and now that this injury happened probably this year, maybe even earlier than later, because we know Raheem Mostert is made of peanut brittle, uh, he's going to get an opportunity this year to really get a good amount of carries. I think he'll perform well in this system. Mm -hmm. So that's why he's still number five. He's still a value. I think he's a great, valuable second-round rookie draft pick, without a doubt. Uh, But this is a guy that he doesn't project out to be a superstar, and he doesn't project out to be a guy who catches the ball. I think his absolute ceiling would be Alfred Morris. And remember, Alfred Morris played back when the Shanahan days, Mike Shanahan and all those guys, and he had that really great season, but it lasted about two years, and they moved on to somebody else. So that's why I think you're looking at with Trey Sermon as well, and that's what you have to kind of worry about as far as long-term goes. Before we get into the rest of our running backs, I want to give one more quick shout-out to our sponsor, Manscaped, and they want you to know. Actually, let me hit this Breaking news. And the breaking news is they want you to know this public service announcement is the news that you have all been waiting for because the Lawnmower 4.0 is out, baby. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you from personal experience about this Lawnmower 4.0. You can shave in the shower. Do you know how time-saving, 
how much how much cleanup you save by being able to shave in the shower. And guess what? If you have a hard time seeing because maybe your lights dim, I don't know. It has a flashlight. You can see everything with the 4.0 and avoid cleanup. Avoid your partner getting mad at you with little hairs all over the place. And you can have a beautiful, nice shave, which they, of course, will appreciate. I know firsthand as well. So join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. All right, so let's get back to the rest of our running backs that we're talking about here. This is where things start to mix up a little bit, I guess. Uh, You have Chuba Hubbard at number six. I have Khalil Herbert. You go ahead first. Why do you have Chuba Hubbard? I actually have Chuba Hubbard at number nine, so I'm way lower on him. So, Adam, you know what? I I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Finally, I can handle these. Go ahead. Make your case why Chuba Hubbard is your number six behind Trey Sermon. Well, um, to be honest with you, I don't think he's that big of a drop-off from Mike Davis. And we saw how productive Mike Davis was as the – as the guy behind McCaffrey last year, you know, if McCaffrey goes down, we're seeing McCaffrey now. He's, I believe, 25 years old. I could be a plus or minus a year, but I believe 25 off the top of my head. And, you know, has, especially with a, a guy his size, with the volume that he's bound to get, I I just, you know, I he's not going to be on the field all the time. I'm not saying he's going to have an, a year like last year where he plays two games and is out the rest of the year, but... I think when McCaffrey is out, he will be productive. And I think there's always going to be that kind of gap here where, like, I don't think Chuba Hubbard is the long-term answer for Carolina. Like, don't get it twisted that way. But I think that they will probably ride McCaffrey until it's too late rather than moving on from McCaffrey while he still has value. And I think that year, Chuba Hubbard will have value. Like, that last year of of McCaffrey as a Panther, there will be no one else – other than Chuba Hubbard to take that role, to take on some of that extra volume. I, I just think it's a, a good situation to be in once we get into these later running backs. And I, I'm just willing to take that there and uh, and let it be. I've heard that argument a lot, that people look at what happened with Mike Davis, so therefore McCaffrey to go down, Chuba Hubbard value. I can't argue with that part. But here's my problem with Chuba Hubbard. I don't even think he's as good as Mike Davis as far as a running back goes. I think he actually profiles out to be more of a Reggie Bonifon type who was a zero at everything. That's why I think he reminds me more of. Uh, this guy, I know he had production in college. I know he has some explosion. But as we found out, he's not as fast as people thought. I don't think he has good vision. I don't think he makes guys miss. He's that type of guy that you have to have that hole in front of him and he has to run through it as fast as he possibly can because if he doesn't, he's getting wrapped up and tackled instantly. I don't really like him as a running back. Now, yeah, and the other, that's the other part of it, too. Yeah, he might have value if Christian McCaffrey goes down. I don't, I'm don't. i not ready to view Christian McCaffrey as somebody I'm worried about getting hurt just, just based no. off last year. And because he catched the ball so well, I think he actually has a much longer career as far as a top-notch running back goes than most of the other guys around him getting those type of touches. So I combine all that to go with, I think Chuba Hubbard has to have an injury in order to be anything. And this is why I have Khalil Herbert at number six and not a guy like Hubbard. While Herbert may not play at all in 2021, because I can't say David Montgomery's definitely going to hurt. He hasn't really yet. But 
there's a chance David Montgomery's not there next year. And I think Khalil Herbert is a guy that you could cheaply pair with a Tariq Cohen or whoever else you're going to have be the passing down back because he has very good vision. He's a very good first and second down running back. He exposes the hole well. He makes guys miss. He makes breaking tackles. He's somebody that I could very well see having a role come 2022 as a starting running back. And I think he's generally a good running back. So that's why I wound up having Khalil Herbert at number two. I think it doesn't just take an injury for him to have a pathway. Hubbard, he's definitely the backup this year. Maybe he's the backup in 2022. I don't think he's the backup come 2023 when Christian McCaffrey's still on the team. And that's why that that's the difference, at least for me. I, you can go ahead and rebuttal to that. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I would just say that one, you are counting on, I'm, you probably have a safer pathway, I would say, but you are still counting on Montgomery leaving. Like that is certainly yeah. part of this. Oh, very true. Yeah. Uh, I, and you know, he may not leave. It's definitely yeah. a possibility. Well, but with the way the running backs have not been getting paid, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I don't know who, what the Chicago regime is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think in twenty twenty two. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the other part of it as well. That that's also what I was going to get into is that I ju- I'm a little weary on touching uh, Bears players outside of Robinson right now, just because I I'm just I would imagine too. Well, yeah, Fields for Superflex or Dynasty really in general. I'm still with Fields, but um, I, I'm I'm weary of that just because. I think the Fields pick in this draft in general could genuinely keep Najee around for a, a, an extra year, and I don't want to mess with that at all, especially redraft, but really in general. Like, the sooner we get Laser as the interim to, <laughs> and get him calling plays, the better for everyone in that offense, literally every single person, and including Montgomery who we saw last year, granted against easy run defenses. I don't want to like hide that from anyone. Against easy run defenses, he was a five-yard per carry runner with Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator. So if Najee does get fired early in this season, then Bill Lazor presumably becomes the play caller, and Montgomery could have a very good rest of the season, which could make him you know, stay in Chicago afterwards. Or Najee stays. They go eight and eight, which might not be enough to get him fired. And then you have to deal with Najee for Khalil Herbert next year. So I just they go eight and eight, or or I guess in this case, it's seventeen games. It, they either have to be eight and nine or nine and eight, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Look, no. Even Jeff Fisher eventually got fired. Okay, you you have to get fired for going five hundred every freaking year at some point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I you would think like I I wanted him to be gone already, but I just I don't have the faith in that being what happens. Ryan Pace and David Gettleman. I want to know who represents them because yes. how they still have their GM jobs is beyond me. I have yeah. to find out. But moving on, we have both have Ramondre Stevenson, even though we disagree at six, we both have him at seven. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I think Sony Michelle gets cut this season. I don't think Damian Harris is going to have the backfield all to himself. And we know James White's there, so we know at least he's going to probably work on passing downs regardless of what's going on at the quarterback position. But Damian Harris, the Patriots, it's just been so long. I think Corey Dillon was the last time they actually had a running back get, you know, the majority, overwhelming majority of the carries. I don't think that winds up happening even with Damian Harris. This seems interesting. Even if Cam is not the starting quarterback, this offensive line is vastly improved from last season. Everyone talks about how much the Chiefs offensive line has improved. What's going on on the radar is how much the Patriots offensive line has improved, especially when it comes to run blocking, especially when it comes to run blocking. So here's my question to you. If Sony Michelle gets cut, does Ramondre Stevenson have a significant role? And when I say significant, I mean somewhere between 30 and 40% of the carries to Damian Harris this season. Does he have a goal? Does he have a Laguerre Blunt role at the goal line? Or are we still looking more? Let's wait and see what happens with Damian Harris. We're still looking more at 2022. I am personally of the belief that he, regardless of what happens, I think he can have that Laguerre Blunt role, which is why I'm in on him at seven. But if Sony Michelle does get cut, then I think he, maybe not 40%, but if he got up to 25%, uh, at least of, RB touches, you know, if you include what James White can get, because he's going to get like 50 carries and 100 targets. Like, right. So if we're accounting for the the productivity of the running backs, I think it'll be closer to 25%, but he could get a lot of touchdowns and say six to eight carries a game, which I mean that if he gets, you know, a touchdown in half of those, he might end up as a, a genuine RB3, which, you know, you might be able to flex him even at the back half of this year. You might be able to. Probably not, but you might be able to. I think if Sony Michelle gets cut, this is a guy who's going to be a week one waiver pickup. I still don't think he winds up getting drafted mm-hmm. in redraft leagues I'm talking about mm-hmm. now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he gets a LeGarrette Blunt roll right off the bat. LeGarrette Blunt was a guy who was getting about 35% of the carries in certain game situations, he was getting up to 50 because they were using him to close it out. Mm-hmm. I think Dan Harris is a fine running back. But if anything has told us taught us anything about the New England, especially with the Bill Belichick and combination of Josh McDaniels, they love using three running backs. I don't think Michelle makes this team. I just don't see a scenario. I think his explosiveness is, is, is gone. And I think that's a big reason why they drafted him, Ron J. Stevenson. Bill Belichick loved... I mean, loved having LeGarrette Blunt. Absolutely loved having him. Loved having that big back at the goal line. Loved having that guy to wear down the defense, close out the game. He loved having that type of guy. So Will Ramondre Stevenson at any point this season get the majority of the carries over Damon Harris? No. I mean, barring injury, no. That won't happen. But I think there's a real chance we're looking at 35% of the carries with maybe 90% of the goal line carries. And it'll get real interesting Real fast. He'll be touchdown dependent, but I see a scenario where he could be a high-end RB3 as soon as 2021, especially if Michelle's out of the way. Yeah. Well, I, I think what you just said about 
uh, Bill Belichick loving having Garrett Blunt. I think that's why he still loves Cam Newton for so much for no reason. It's definite. You can't like you cannot make the argument to me that he sees his passing production as like, oh yeah, I love that. Like no, it is because he sees this two fifty body that can push the pile. Uh, whether it's you know fourth and one or you know you're on the the goal line, like you could like. Cam Newton, as soon as he's out of the way, Ramondre Stevenson can get a lot of touchdowns, but Cam Newton Cam Newton is a bigger obstacle to me than Sony Michelle, to be honest with you, because I think he will use Cam Newton while he's the quarterback on QB sneaks before he uses Ramondre Stevenson on a dive. He okay, so Cam Newton will be a fact if Cam Newton's a starting quarterback, he will be a factor. But I do think there's this narrative. And I'm kind of glad you brought it up. We give us a chance to talk about it. I do think there's this narrative out there, these running quarterbacks really hinder running backs and take away their touchdowns. And I disagree with that oh, as far I, I think, as being a full on correlation. Go ahead. I think overall the, the yes, that that is at, at least it's being over-exaggerated Yeah. The overall. Yes. I think Cam Newton specifically though, just because he's, he's was this power runner. That can be a the, different argument. Not the like Jalen hurts. I'm running around you. Like he was no, I'm going through you. Like he was actually always like a, and at a red zone threat like that was the cam newton thing so i think with him specifically it could be a problem i i won't i won't argue with that but the thing that always stuck out of my mind is lamar jackson like jk dobbins scored a touchdown in every game for seven weeks at the end of the season yeah. lamar jackson was scoring touchdowns didn't really hinder jk dobbins's ability that always screams yeah. in my mind when that kind of that narrative kind of gets brought up uh but no i i see what you're saying there i think they would actually be because the offense, I think, is going to be efficient, I think they'd be in the red zone enough where I wouldn't worry worry about it too much. But again, this offense in general is going to be hard to gauge as far as what their potential is until we know who the quarterback is going to be. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think you and I both agree their their offensive production it has a much higher potential ceiling if Mac Jones starts right away. Whether that happens or not, we'll have to see. But let's continue on. We have a couple more running backs to talk about here. Not that they're huge guys, but... <laughs> We both have Larry Roundtree and Kenneth Gainwell in the same similar situation. Uh, you have Kenneth Gainwell ahead of Roundtree. I have Roundtree ahead of Gainwell. Go ahead. Just speak to me about Kenneth Gainwell, Larry Roundtree. Why do you have Gainwell ahead of him? Well, uh, I mean, it's pretty... First of all, it's, it's format dependent. I would have Roundtree higher on standard. Uh, just right out of the gate, want to make that clear. I mostly play either 0.5 PPR or full PPR. So I, I'm going to have Gainwell higher. And it's really just uh, the simple fact that I think he profiles as a, uh, I think he's not going to run in between the tackles. He's going to be a receiving threat. He honestly might kick out to, re- like, actually kick out to receiver. Like, yeah. I, I think that. Um, his skill set is one that would be valuable in fantasy. I don't like the situation, but we're talking about our bottom two or three rookies. So, I mean, that's, you know, not that big of a factor here. Um, so, yeah, I don't love the situation because I don't think Sanders is that bad of a receiver, but I think Gainwell will get moved out of the um, out of the backfield, play some receiver, get a lot of catches. In PPR, that could be pretty valuable, whereas to me – Roundtree is someone who I really love. I think Joshua Kelly was not good last year, like mm-hmm. not at all. Um, they seem reluctant to uh, give the ball to Justin Jackson in any scenario. They just don't seem to like to do it. They keep him around. They seem to they act like they like him, but they just don't. Um, so I like Roundtree's odds to get that 
you know, plotter role, but Eckler's still going to be the the leader in that that committee, if we're even going to call it that. Like, it, it's barely a committee because Eckler is the real RB one. He just isn't going to run, you know, a ton in the uh, in between the tackles. He's not going to get eighteen to twenty carries, but he's going to yeah. get fifteen pretty consistently with well, you know, five to seven. I was going to say he'll get his twenty touches, right? And but Roundtree will probably, I think, by the at the very least by the back half of the season, he could be someone who's getting. 10 to 13 carries. They just might not be the most valuable carries, but you, you compare him to Gus Edwards when Mark Ingram was still there, right? Like where he's, you know, productive sometimes, like at least in football terms, it's just that he becomes very uh, uh, touchdown dependent. And, you know, I, I think they'll probably go other ways for touchdowns, to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't know, like, but he might, he could get those touchdowns and make it, uh, him really valuable or it could be something like New Orleans uh, with Lombardi you know being there where both Ingram and Kamara were, were incredibly uh, productive that's you know on the more unlikely end but that you know it technically could happen well um, that's a big reason why I have Roundtree ahead of Gainwell I, I think basically what this comes down to is do you think Roundtree one can he over overtake Joshua Kelly sooner rather than later because they're pretty much the same age so it, it does come down to being able to overtake him sooner rather than later. Do you think he's going to overtake and become the Latavius Murray role in that offense, whether it's mm-hmm. this year or next year? And then does Kenneth, does Kenneth Gainwell have a chance to become Naeem Hines? Because mm-hmm. I think those are the two ceilings that you're looking at when it comes yeah. to these two players, as far as their roles and their offense and what their output is. I'm putting a little bit more money on Larry Roundtree overtaking Joshua Kelly because I think Josh Kelly was just that bad especially when it came to punching it into the red zone. Mm-hmm. I think Larry Roundtree will be the same as Kelly as far as between the 20s. The fall, the fall four for three or four yards, fine. But I think Roundtree is much better at punching it in at the red zone than Joshua Kelly is, which I think ultimately what winds up winning him the job. And I wouldn't be overly surprised if he was able to take that job this year in training camp before we even make it out to week one, because that's how unimpressive Joshua Kelly was to me and in going into the season to begin with. Kenneth Gainwell, I still don't know if he's a running back or a wide receiver. The other thing kind of in his way, at least for 2021 anyway, is that they still brought back Boston Scott. Now, they did that before they drafted Kenneth Gainwell, of course, but assuming they still keep Boston Scott on the roster, I don't see a role for Kenneth Gainwell outside of special teams in 2021 regardless. Come 2022, everything could could be wide open. I mean, we don't know the future of Miles Sanders at this point. I think he kind of has to prove it in order to stay there. Uh, Boston Scott will definitely be gone. That much is for sure. Nick Shereen likes to use his three down bat, three, you know, three different running backs as well, coming from that Colts system, at least I would assume anyway, uh, with the passing attack. So there's just a lot up in the air for me when it comes to Kenneth Gainwell, and I know he doesn't have a role in 2021. I still got to see if he's going to be a running back or wide receiver. I'm just putting a little bit more money on. I see a pathway more quickly for Larry Roundtree. That leads to touchdowns too, by the way, where Kenneth Gainwell, he's dealing with Boston Scott. Miles Sanders, you could say his best skill set is catching the ball in the backfield as well. There's a lot of other things kind of going on there. Ultimately, I think these are both guys that need to be on your teams and kind of need to see how things play out. But that's kind of why I have them flip-flopped around uh, mm-hmm. with you. Now, I'm going to kick this one over to you because I was the only one who had Cleo Herbert as high as I did. I already talked about him. Your sleeper guy, Jared Dokes. So I'm going to let you go ahead and kind of talk about him a little bit, why he made your top 10. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, The Dolphins backfield is 
Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> Tough good, grabs, baby. It, it is, it is. They, they've got a really intriguing receiver core. I liked Tua as a prospect, you know, last year wasn't great, but I did like him a lot coming out. So I think this could be a, a productive os- op- offense. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, first of all, he doesn't need to beat out Miles Gaskin for him to be the RB10 of rookies. He needs to beat out Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown has had as many seasons under four yards per carry as he has four yards or over. So <laughs> I like the odds of Dokes, who I admit, I, I think he's okay. Like, I, I think he was a decent value for where he was drafted, but he shouldn't have been drafted much higher. But, I mean, he's got the frame where he could work between the tackles. And once again, I think he can be, I think he can be as good as, as Malcolm Brown. And by the way, I think he's a halfway decent, not great, not even good, but decent pass blocker. And honestly, for a guy that's, you know, 230, 5'11", and runs a 4'6", he's got good hands. He made a crazy one-game catch against Houston. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think um, on the low end, I think he could – gets um the role that they intend for Malcolm Brown and on the high end I think he genuinely could p- pass Miles Gaskin at least in the short term you know long term I think a better running back's going to land there regardless but uh give me the lowest value highest upside guy in dokes out of really any of the other Dolphins running backs because I don't getting a 24 year old Miles Gaskin at this point just seems redundant to me <laughs> this is his peak value yeah, no, agreed. This is his peak value right now, right here. I agree that you're saying to to some degree because how many running backs do we see not only just play but have value for the Dolphins mm-hmm. last year as guys got yeah. injured and got back and got you know, But the point was that even that offense wasn't hitting its peak yet as far as scoring points wise. But the running backs were all valuable. Salvin Ahmed was a pickup for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Um, I think Malcolm Brown's actually decent, especially I think he's especially decent at what it is he does. But yeah, this this whole thing is going to be up is going to be up for grabs. I'm not exactly blown away by Miles Gaskin, and at the very least, even if you are a Gaskin truther out there, and there are a few of them out there, I don't think you can look me in the eye and tell me you actually trust this guy to play 17 games. Mm-hmm. There's no way, no chance. So we have to see what happens there. There's going to be touches I think made available through injury. Uh, ultimately, he doesn't make my top 10 because I do think Malcolm Brown holds on to his role. And then when it comes to 2022, I think we're going to see completely different yeah. cases in the backfield altogether. So that's why he doesn't make mine. But I don't hate on it. He's actually a pretty popular deep sleeper name. A guy mm-hmm. that I have no problem keeping in the taxi squad and if he proves fruitful because, you know, Gaskin got hurt and Brown turned out to be a bum. Then he might find himself in a situation where he's getting some touchdowns. And that's going to be a offense that you're going to want the running back of or at least, mm-hmm. you know, be on your team. So I, I like the deep sleeper pick there as well. As I'm going to do it for the show today, wrap it up a little bit early, not too much early, I'm like 15 minutes early, but we got through a lot. Uh, Adam and I, just us, just us alone, alone together on an island somewhere. But we're going to be back in two weeks talking about the top 10 wide receivers, probably a top eight tight ends. I can't imagine making a, a top 10 tight end list out of this dynasty rookie class, to be honest with you. Uh, we had a hard enough time, I think, getting a top five list together. So it'll be even interesting when we put together a top eight. So we'll do we'll do that. And that'll be in two weeks from now. 
So June 8th, I believe, on the top of my head, 8.30 here at Belly Up Fantasy. Make sure you follow us along. We got great baseball content coming out right now. Tomorrow night, the, uh, the BFL baseball show with Kevin Wilson and Vince Stover are going to be on at 9, uh, 9 o'clock, I believe. That is p.m. Eastern. So check that out. Check out Kevin's uh, baseball waiver wire article as these things go on. And we have a ton of football content coming out right now. Make sure mm-hmm. you're following me at Belly Up MDFF Show. If you, you know, all these news alerts are coming out about these rumors of football. If you follow me, for free, turn those notifications on. You'll be up to date no matter what. And make sure to check out the MD's Fantasy Football Show at 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. This week, we're wrapping up on that show. We're wrapping up our rookie draft analysis uh, with the, the Saints, the Bills, the Packers, the Bucks, Seattle, Rams, Chiefs, and kicking it off with the abysmalness that is the Houston Texans as the very last team on that show. So we're covering all that and wrapping it up, and then we'll be transitioning our way into the team profiles and getting ready for 2021 as well. Adam, where can we follow you at? What are you working on? Yeah, um, I'm at LaRue Adam. I finally found the little name card here. Um, Yeah, so it's spelled like that without the apostrophe. Um, I'm currently working on uh, an new post-draft edition of the RB tier list. I didn't uh, get that out or quite on the schedule, the, the pre-draft one quite on the schedule that I wanted to. So what I'm kind of doing with this, doing with it this time is finishing the entire thing uh, before I release the first one, just so that I can, uh, you know, like just get them out like maybe twice a week and just, you know, push them out with everything finished rather than trying to, uh, you know, uh, right up the blurbs in between. So I'm working on that. I have been for a little bit. So that's been kind of the gap in content, but we'll have that out, you know, as soon as I can. Absolutely. Adam is not only the fantasy sports department head. He is also one of the top writers that we have. So make sure you go ahead and check him out. Once he gets that out there, I'll see you guys in two weeks. Make sure you're following along at belly up fantasy. See you guys then. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.